Hey everyone, we are back. This is episode 145 of the Anime World Order podcast. Yeah, we skipped a month. I'll take the blame for that. I'll say that Initial D just takes too much out of you. It's too, too much to keep going to put out an episode that quickly again. Anyway, this is the Anime World Order podcast. We like to talk about anime and manga, and that's it. That's all we do. I am Gerald Rathkolb, and with me, as always... This is Daryl Surratt, and for the record, uh, when we said why there wasn't an episode last month, we said it was because you both caught a case of the Russell Madness. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Russell Madness is Beautiful a film. family film about a talking dog who, with his ape manager, becomes a professional wrestler and beats up Johnny Mundo. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is a highly realistic storyline. Now, did it um, actually have cinema. the CG talking mouth that they've been doing on these talking dog movies as of yes, recent years? It was, it yes, it was terrifying. I didn't know that there was like a whole Airbud Studios. Like those oh, yeah. things, those movies are so huge. What's wrong with Because the they've world? got whole spin-off franchises. They just pump those things out. Oh, man. Even though all the stories come out about all the puppies that die in the making of those movies, especially <laughs> Snow Buddies... <laughs> There was this copious puppy death on the set of that film, but they just continue to come out. <laughs> oh, my God. I wonder if that's in any of the commentaries. So, yeah, that puppy like, there. here he yeah, R.I.P. Snickerdoodle. <laughs> but, yes, this is not a podcast about wrestling dogs. This is a podcast about anime and manga. I totally. Maybe and, we should uh, do a podcast about wrestling dogs. Clarissa's introduction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Who are you, Clarissa? Uh, I'm Clarissa. Oh, that's who you Apologies are. Apologies if I sound okay. weird. I've been sick. Yeah, it seems to be going everywhere. Oh, and before we get too far into it, we always go like 45 minutes and we're like, oh, what are we actually talking about this episode? I am going to review the uh, two-season show currently on Netflix. That is Knights of Sidonia. Sometimes so, we deliberately uh, don't say what we're reviewing because uh, we want people to just be listening so far and then they're in there and then it gets sprung on them. But in this case, we can tell you ahead of time that that is yeah. the subject of this episode. Yes. New season of anime has started. Yep. And uh, let me tell you, there is always good stuff. Every season, there's always a whole bunch of people who say, this season is going to be terrible. This is one of the worst seasons in anime. Now, this is a pretty good season. If you don't normally keep up with stuff, there's some good stuff going on. Yeah. And hopefully I, it will maintain that quality. a little bit less than the last season, but there's a few good things. Yeah, so. basically, Fast Karate can continue because JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has resumed. Now yes. getting into territory that is long demanded. The beautiful Duang of Diamond is yeah, this is the very proto Persona 4. Mm -hmm. This is interesting for me because I've read a bunch of the manga, but I haven't read this part. Yeah, it's because the is thing is, is that they're finally getting into a point where the fan translations were just so bad that average human beings would not be bothered to read this garbage translation and the rest of right. the people turn the garbage translation into like this mimetic fandom thing of like yes. all this diamond is not crash and all this shit look that, we you know. suffered so much that we had to transmute it into love <laughs> otherwise we couldn't survive well now they have like the they have redone translations don't they now for four yeah i think since then there have been redone yeah. fan are they legit or that's no, 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 no legitimate no. translation hasn't gotten that far enough yet they're still on Stardust no. Crusaders, at least okay. as far as re-releasing in the format right, the hard that people covers, actually buy. Yeah. Are those the edited ones, the heavily They're all censored the ones, edited or? ones, it's just now people don't care. Mm. I think we kind of gave up because there's no way we're going to get it not edited, and at least the editions are nice. There is some good stuff this season. There was some good stuff last season, too. 
I say that now having finished watching those shows because you never know. Right. You never know. Some shows just crap the bed at the very last episode. So you're talking yeah. about Erased? No. Actually, I thought Erased ended okay. It wasn't an amazing ending, but it wasn't terrible. Erased didn't have to have an amazing ending. All it did needed to do was not shit the bed. Yeah. As long as it didn't shit the bed, it would be a good show. And it is. And it's a I good think show. it did not shit the bed. No, it didn't. It nicely wrapped things up. There wasn't like some sort of troll that just came out of a guy's mouth and solved all the problems. <laughs> so That it, might have been an amazing all... ending. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I should write the ending. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was a good show. Maybe, Clarissa, you should review it. Maybe. I was going to do Rock Ago, but there's going to be another season. So I probably want to wait until the next season of that. Ah, uh, yes, Rock Ago. The, and the manga's ending the, soon. The masterpiece theater show of anime. So right good. Now. The show if you that, haven't watched it, you need that, to improve your life. The show that not many people are watching because it's the masterpiece theater of, a of anime. It's a stuffy old type of theater. I thought that was all those like Ghibli world masterpiece classic shows. I don't shows. think they've made one in 15 or 20 years. Yeah, that's true. I guess they're not making them anymore. I mean, a friend of ours seems to have like superpowers and can watch all of those things. I think it's more he has nothing better to do with his life <laughs> other than put things on and not it, kill himself because the boat is Isn't that the is case out. for most otaku? <laughs> we have nothing <laughs> more substantial to do with our lives. That's more to do with the, the caliber of show that you're watching. Right, right. Well, the, the big difference is, are you allowed to watch anime at work? Right. Yeah, that, That's what that's separates true. us all. Yeah. And if you're allowed to watch anime at work, then, you then you're in a whole anything different thing you want. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's a whole different league. Um, right. I will say on the subject of things ending okay, Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, even though I was not too keen on the final episode, just because it's kind of there to keep the story going, did not flame out hilariously poorly so that's probably going to be like if it continues to be good when it comes back in the fall we can say that finally had another good gundam show but if it doesn't pull a seed destiny you mean if, i was going to say if it doesn't pull a double o <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Seed uh. destiny was good for the first few episodes and then it got really awful mm. gundam double o was generally agreed upon as being good for the first half and the second half is very divisive and every yeah. time i say that the gundam people and when i say that <laughs> like two or three people show up to viciously defend season two of gundam double o <laughs> in the movie and get with it, guys. Most people think those things are not good. But luckily, my secret twin brother. We are honor bound to review Gundam 00 at some point. Oh, that's and I right. will say this. I do I will need say to rewatch that. The person who requested that we review Initial D in Gundam 00 and gave us cash money to do so via Twitch has since unfollowed me on Twitter <laughs> as a result of the Initial D podcast. So let's. <laughs> Oh, We're gonna man. Go for the double well, word what score. did he expect? I, I, Haven't we expressed our dislike of Initial D in the past already? Was he hoping well, that's, that this, yeah, that's this what I season. Mean. Like, what did he expect? Like, was he hoping that that season of Initial D would be some sort of like, my whole thought of Initial D is turned around. Initial D is great. I don't know, because the comments seem to suggest that he liked the episode. That episode hmm. has caused more consternation. We have gotten these immense... We've got one of the longest comments we've ever gotten on our blog with that episode that had <laughs> Combined with the 90-minute rebuttal on his own podcast. I never did listen to that, but I did... I did you should have listened to it. I did read the, some of the comments that... Basically, didn't say anything. Listen, it's one of those things where it's like, how dare you say this is not for car people? I love this show. By the way, I'm a car person. <laughs> Speaking of Initial D, maybe I should read this email. <clears throat> should you? Should you really? Should I? I don't know. Should, should we still keep the pain going? I think so. That's what we're about here. This is titled, Just a Couple of Comments About Your Initial D Podcast. Smiley face. 
Hi, the name is J.R. Anchetta. This is a copy-paste of my small comment I just left today on your website as well, but I decided to email it to you as well so I can get a minor response. Anyway, here it is. This is pretty pathetic of me, but I just want to point out after listening to the whole podcast two major things. One, Takumi has technically lost multiple times. Yeah, these are the losses that I said I mentioned them offhand in a sentence in the review. So there was no need for anybody right to say, oh, yeah, he lost because his engine burned out. Yes. Or, oh, you know, he lost because, you know, the other guy had a fucking heart attack. I remember you mentioned this. Or had this. cancer. I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> he died. Whoops, I have cancer. He died of cancer during I guess the race? I, I guess you're, no, no, he, he suddenly could not deal with the cancer. And then he's like, oh, well, technically, I guess... You know, I lose, and then they're like, but maybe that's part of this, this true spirit of having a racer, the ability to rely on your opponent who's better than you suddenly succumbing to cancer. I was really hoping for some sort of Monty Python animation-esque, like... Yes, the, the life of Brian, oh no, I had a cardiac arrest in the just gladiatorial <laughs> arena. But he, he mentions uh, A, Takumi versus Kyoichi, the AE86 versus the Evo 3. His engine blew out. Yes, you're definitely a worse racer because you gunned it too hard and your engine burned out. Therefore, you get your Mazinger Z mid-season upgrade, which is really the excuse for that to happen. Yeah, the Mitsubishi Evo 3 is a car that is AWD? What's that mean? All-wheel drive. All-wheel drive. All-wheel drive, okay. And had a lot more power and acceleration, although Takumi was the better driver. Anyway. Well then. Anyway. Although he was the better driver. Of course he was. And B, technically, he lost in the last against Godhand. And he... Yeah, he's the guy who just suddenly had cancer. (laughs) (laughs) And he also unofficially lost greatly against his dad, Bunta, who was okay, so I, I mentioned that you know you're allowed to lose to your dad in the grappler baki tradition. Right, I mean yeah. that's that's what evil um, anime you know, dads are for count. is to show up and to beat right. the snot out of you, either literally or metaphorically. It's the Shaw Brothers Kung Fu title. I will finally knock you down, Dad. <laughs> yep. And two, you must understand that although not many people actually understand little basic technical fundamentals when it comes to the show, it does help many with the appreciation for the show. A basic tip about drifting. Drifting can technically only be done on certain types of vehicles. Cars that are uh, front wheel or all wheel drive are not really capable of drifting. Right. Drifting involves a lot about oversteer, front wheel. He says FR. Uh, that's front. I don't know what that is. This guy's a t- obviously a car person. And so is the thing that we have said many times about initial D. Basically, he's copy-pasting for you exact dialogue that takes place in Initial D because the Drift King guy was the consultant for Initial D, and this is the car that he owns, and so he's going to go well out of his way to explain to you that, yes, this is the greatest gun ever made, the Colt single-action army, six shots, more than enough to kill anything (laughs) that moves, only in 50-volume manga format for his Corolla. This was, and B, this is the reason why the AE86 Trueno is such a highly praised car for how cheap and shit you guys think it is with the concept of drifting it's a highly praised car because the guy who came up with drifting drives all this effort into (laughs) saying how great it is in this manga and drives it and this is what solely drove up the price of that car it's only a sought commodity because of that show and that cartoon and that manga. really there's no other reason yeah i mean i'm not in the world of this but you would think that they could recreate particular things on newer cars if they wanted to sell to that audience uh, but anyway, he... It's the Drops of God effect, Gerald. Oh, it's, it's... When Drops of God has, like, here's the great wine, that wine is gone. Right. Everyone right, right. buys that wine. 
And he continues, and C, just to point out, the 86 did end up going through a change when the dad Bunta switched out the engine on it as well, which turned the 86 into a whole new beast. Basically, they put the jet scrander on the Zinger Z <laughs> and made it invincible. More invincible than it already was because it was made of Japanium Z alloy. No matter what, I guess I'm still pathetic for taking the time out of my day to write something like this. But yeah, I don't know. I was hoping to see if this would provide a little spark or consideration for us fans that really appreciate Initial D, even to this day. I guess I felt a little offended after the podcast. Sorry, guy, that's not going to change our opinions on it. So he hasn't said anything we didn't already say no, or in, well, didn't it's, already it's express. It's clear that he's a car fan because he knows all these little details about cars. And that's what we said was that this is a show for car people. So <laughs> this is what we got a lot of was a lot of people getting really offended and then saying exactly what we said on the podcast. It was interesting, the response that we got. Initial D has got some very, very passionate fans. With a lot of money, like I said. I've never spent five figures on any particular one show, but I've never you know, spent whole communities of people who buy these cars. I can't say I've ever spent five figures on any one single hobby purchase. That's an enormous amount of money. Yeah, anyway, I've got another one here that just says, Fan mail, open the shit, from Johnny. And he says, greetings, AWO. It might be late, but I'd like to congratulate you guys on making it through 10 years. It's been really impressive. This podcast has lasted longer than most marriages. Anyway, I've been a listener for about seven years, as I recall. Must have been 16 or 17 at the time. I subscribed in hopes of being guided to viewing and reading the best Japan had to offer, and I was not disappointed in you one bit. The first episode and favorite I listened to was episode 69. Oh, obscurity and laughs were had. Oh, but in all seriousness, if it weren't for you, I'd never have discovered the gems that I covet, such as my favorites as Yawara, Astro Fighter Sunred. Yawara is strange. We never really talked positively about that show. I've talked about it offhand. We even talked about Yawara in the initial D review where I just said Yawara, I thought, was this show that is mostly about the romance side of things and what have you. And I think it kind of falters as a sports series because Yawara doesn't lose and before someone writes in to say oh well technically Yuara lost like two or three times yeah she lost because she no-showed or you know whatever like that she didn't get beat no. ever at any point and it really diminishes your rival if your rival can never beat you mm. <laughs> yeah and i really liked uh, honami sayaka but she just never got one over on Yuara. And he continues, uh, such as Yawara, Astrofighter Sunred, Wicked City, and Felipe Smith's work. Interestingly enough, he got a job at Marvel as a writer for the Ghost Rider series and was put in charge as an artist for the last two issues. Aside from that, I'm surprised you haven't done a review of Seikotai Yakuin Domo. I'd figure you would have had a great time reviewing that. The sex jokes are not dirty, but clever. In all seriousness, thank you for the smiles and recommendations you've given me over the years. I'd love to attend one of your panels, but unfortunately, I hail from California. Next thing I can do is drink in your honor. Cheers. That show he mentions is on Crunchyroll, so it's maybe something that we can take a look at. There is so much on Crunchyroll that I don't even know about. I will still go through, like, those anime charts that come out, and I'll still, like, I didn't know that there was a Nurse Witch Komugi anime that came out last season. This stuff just continues to pile One guy up. we know was watching that, and he, he actually thought it was pretty good, the new one. Well, I like Nurse Witch Komugi. I actually thought it was interesting that, is it actually listed in the Japanese name as uh, Seitokai uh, Yakindomo? I did a search and it came, Crunchyroll? and the, I did a search and the first thing that came up, or one of the, or one of the top, was, was Crunchyroll. So I think it is. Because it's interesting because they wouldn't just translate that title, because basically, what, student council members or something, something like that? Something like that, yeah. But no, if you go to Crunchyroll.com, 
it does in fact say like, oh, you know, you got to log in because it's like too hot for the kids <laughs> or what have you. <laughs> but it is on there and it is there's that name, which is interesting. Yeah. It's one well, of those things like I always point this out, like whenever they release something officially and the official English name is the Japanese name, that means it's about something that they don't want people to know what it's about. You know, like Oreimo. They just leave it at that name <laughs> in the official English translation. Or Oni-I. They just leave the shortened one. The Funimation upcoming release is just the box cover just says Yurikuma Arashi. We're not going to tell you what that means oh, in Oh, man. They should just title it Lesbian Bear Storm. And like Lesbian so many people oh would pick it up, I think, just based on that name. Like, <laughs> Just what the hell yeah. is this? Well, I, I reviewed it for the next issue of uh, Otaku USA that oh, will come good. out, and I kind of pointed this out, that if they put this on the cover, it may work for and right. or against them, depending on where they're trying to sell it. Because you put the, word, the, the giant word lesbian on the cover of hey, anything, look, you know, you're probably not going to get sold and bust by. Even if people Walmart protest, or. that usually just ups your sales. Yeah, this is true. It's online, yeah. anyway. You just follow the John O'Donnell model, which is there is no such thing as bad right. press. But yeah, it's a little bit into our news pile. Does anybody else have anything they want to get off their chests before we... I have we... about four things that I think we want to mention just offhandedly, because we did miss a month, and yes. a bunch of stuff went down. First and foremost, there's been like this sudden like flood of anime crowdfunding that came mm. along in this very short span of time. Unfortunately, like they, it came up almost all like too quickly for... Right, they all came up kind of at the same time, and they've almost all ended, with the exceptional one, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. But there was a, the Writing Bean Blu-ray Kickstarter that Anime Ego put out that just that passed, concluded... That passed within an hour or so. Yeah, so, it got funded yeah. within an hour, and then it hit like a bunch of stretch goals, and so we're getting commentary track with Kenichi Sonata. We're getting a commentary track by Giles Poitras, who listens to the show. We're getting some extra manga. Yeah, the only thing it didn't get to was the 170k, which we would have gotten a new song from the original people who did by, the music. From Phil for Perry. Run. Yes. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that after Kickstarters that succeed and they typically continue to accept donations or payments or yes. what have you throughout, which is what happened with Bubblegum Crisis and Otaku No Video. So they could conceivably still hit that mark, yeah. I think, if they just... It would be um, pretty cool, because I love that soundtrack. That was a great soundtrack. And those guys, they still sound the same, and they still do the same stuff. Right. So. And I, I think that, for me, I think the Riding Bean soundtrack is more enjoyable, not to try to sing accurately, <laughs> but to adopt like the oh, bizarro mic <laughs> Did they, they ship Otaku No Video? No. No, okay, because okay, no, I yet. think They're I had bought to. it afterward, like done one of the post-Kickstarter uh, yes. like, purchases and was like, oh, right. I upped my pledge because Robert Woodhead posted on Twitter that you should do it, and then he sent me a receipt saying, okay, Twitter shaming successful was on the invoice. <laughs> And so now um, my name's uh, in like the credits part of uh. like the special thanks of Otaku no Video. But that was one anime Kickstarter. Another one was the very unnecessary, like if Riding Bean I thought was like quasi-unnecessary, but at least, you know, we got like stretch goals that we otherwise would never have gotten. I think the most unnecessary one was Funimation did the Vision of Escaflone Kickstarter. This is a very controversial Kickstarter. Because uh, yeah. they're just re issuing like, it right no they're they, they're not they are they have oh, to make a okay. new dub because there were re-edited versions the original dub was just that edited oh, fox right. yeah. uh, kids tv broadcast well Escaflone. no it's it's, so they it's said, there no. were actually like re-edited uh, episodes that things wouldn't line up so they have to redub the whole show 
And right. since that was dubbed like 15 years ago, they couldn't just dub those four episodes. This is, uh, yeah, tremendously controversial. Yeah, because, I mean, Escaflone was one of the hottest shows 20 years ago in the mid-90s. People were fanatical about it. They've been clamoring for a high-definition re-release of Escaflone. This is not like this small title that has like a small fan base. This is like a childhood-defining kind of series for a lot of people. A very popular show. And it's Funimation doing it. That yeah, they what they're asking yeah. for does not cover the dub. The dub are, what, like $15,000 an episode or something. And this doesn't cover the cost of that. This is one of those things that makes me really upset when I see it. And this feels like one of those that is more about reducing their risk than it is actually getting this funded. Right. So It blew away the goal. Like, the goal was like, you know, if we, we get $150,000, we can, you know, release this on Blu-ray and redub it into English. They got, like, over $300,000. They hit a bunch of stretch goals and stuff like that. But, I mean... Um, oh, and uh, you don't forget to mention, at what point you only get the entire show is, like... Yes, that is correct. Well, uh, for the ooh. backing tiers... It was oh, very, very high. It was 125 bucks, I think, until you get the entire show. I didn't back this if it's not very <laughs> obvious from the way I'm talking about it. Yeah, neither but did I. Um, when you look at this, the goal, like, okay, the baseline was 150000 The first stretch goal for another $50,000, it was like, okay, you're going to get a special behind-the-scenes feature with the dub cast. Guess what? That costs yeah, nothing. That shouldn't cost $50,000. Whenever ADV or, you know, Funimation or whatever would do their own supplements, those were because they made them themselves for jack squat. So that did not cost. They are sitting in the recording studio then. Just pull them right. aside and just have them sit in front there. Like, that's it. Right. So then for a, once you get the, the goal is exceeded by 100000 So once they hit a quarter million dollars and they said, OK, now we're going to update the art cards to an art booklet and make foil printing for the chipboard box. That's only for the Kickstarter backers only. So, I mean, yeah, those physical things do cost a lot, but does it cost $100,000? Does it even cost $50,000? Maybe it costs $50,000. That, that may be correct. But I mean, yeah, it just seems like those production very little for the amount of money get you're getting. For... And they did not hit the final one, which was going to be if they got to half a million dollars, they were going to have... <laughs> we'll arrange a U.S. visit for the director to go to an anime con and then have a party for the Kickstarter backers only. I will bet some good money that we will probably be seeing Kazuki Akane at the anime cons very soon regardless that's a really that. shitty like final goal as well because we'll involve well no i mean that, there's well, precedent for that well like, i mean what, what i'm saying about that guy. is you better hope you're going to that convention at that time to, to see them yeah because i yeah, mean too, again you do have to look though that people did pledge in its entirety for the highest tier. Someone did oh, pledge yes. $5,000 for, hey, we're going to fly you out and you'll get to tour Funimation and give a voice in the dub and all that. That got used up entirely. Then all 5, the second highest ones, you know, all the other people got like, you know, they pledged $400 for that with like the autographed ones with like Shoji Kawamori and, you know, all that stuff. Those all went. All the $300 ones went and nearly all the $200 ones went. So, I mean, they yeah. made their money on this. I just think it's really, they're capitalizing on a huge goodwill people and i highly highly question that the, that one ever needed a kickstarter but last one that did need a kickstarter and it's actually the only one that's still going on right now oh there's another one daryl you're miss you're forgetting as well there's two more going on right now okay what are the other two We'll go on with the one you're mentioning, and we'll we'll add the least necessary one after that. Okay. One that I think is a little interesting that uh, may want to do this, depending on how quickly we get the episode out. Skip Beat. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a pretty popular, well, not that popular, but I mean, you know, it was a pretty good, you know, little shoujo show from a while back. This is to get an official North American release of uh, the Skip Beat anime. This is something that person who listened to the show actually is kind of putting this one together. And so now they're getting, you know, the people together, lining up like who the people will be in the dub if we get this thing. I want to see more shoujo anime out there. There's very little shoujo anime being made anymore. My understanding is, and from an interview with the person who is running this, is that the original licensor said, you have to have a dub if you want to release this. And dubs are the most expensive thing in any anime production. Correct. And And so so that's why the the price for it has just exploded beyond, like, what it... Like, if she just wanted to release this subtitle only... Subtitle only, discotheque style... Yes, this would be a um, much easier thing. Yeah. But, you know, now they got a hit. They get to 185,000. That's like when you can actually get Blu-rays authored. But, yeah, so I'm uh, hoping so it gets to that. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately because, for me, um, it's just at a bad time for me to back it. But they yeah. come through. Like, again, they all came out in the same yeah. time. Uh, but right now, I can only see it in the subtitle on Crunchyroll, but never got like a physical release. And so they've got a lot of, you know, extras and stuff like that for it. Check that one out. That would be an example of something that did need backing and did need a, a crowdfund to actually get going. Hopefully by the time this comes out, that will still be there. The last one, which will not get funded, I'm sure, might be the, the one that n- very few people think about is, uh, you remember that show from like two seasons ago, Daishogun? Oh, yeah, yeah. How, how no, no one remembers that Dai show. Shogun, you know, that tremendous animation spectacle that, because I believe, didn't Toe Ubukata write for that? Or somebody, someone big wrote for Dai Shogun, and I had, like, some kind of hopes for it that, oh, this could be cool. And then I watched it, and I'm like, this is not, like, I don't even remember this show existing. Okay. It's, it's weird. It's one of these shows where every frame of the show looks gorgeous. Yeah, it just has no animation. There is no... There's just basically oh. no animation in Dai it at all. Sato. I'm sorry. And it was a Dai Sato show. So that's why, I was again, it was one of those things it's like I was expecting, like, oh, this thing will be written well um, because Dai Sato's got, like, kind of a rep as being a pretty decent yeah. anime writer. But, and I think it... Yeah, he wrote some good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think Dai Shogun came out at the same time as, like, Nobunaga the Fool, which is this other, like, oh, this should have been good, and it kind of isn't. And they're both, like, are similar sort of alternate history japan with robots kind of shows but yeah it was yeah i see that they they decided that we want to make the show look good if you pause it but that's about it but uh, i guess what they the 1990s x-men style yeah but i guess what they are wanting to do is kind of do a search results seem to consist mostly of anime titties yes that's a good part about the show but uh it's a (laughs) uh, i guess they're trying to do like uh, a mulligan on it and say hey you know this thing we did no good so we want to make an all cg die shogun it is totally not going to get funded they want like two hundred thousand dollars right let me pull it up it's going to be like in vr and you have to like yeah it's uh i don't know like how that's going to work it is two hundred thousand dollars it is 13 days to go and they are thirty five thousand dollars there so right you know what i what the hell i backed it because it's one of these that the, the it is such, it's a, such long a long shot. shot that you're probably not actually going to ever have to spend that money. Right. But, but I mean, it's it's also one of those things where just like I've been saying for a long time, like the full 3D CG anime, it looks a little iffy, especially when the standards of 3D yeah. CG animation are so high because of Western features. We will talk about that soon. I think the when only we, when you get to your TV like, review, right. And a lot of times, even the ones that look good are still kind of like stiff. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mo- the movements now look a little weird. I think or... visually the one, and I haven't seen the whole movie yet, but like at least from the trailers, the one I've seen that looked like the best was maybe the Saint Seiya one. Oh yes, the, at least the ex- facial expressions were pretty nice. Yeah, like it didn't um, seem so stiff as a lot of them. As like the Shinji Aramaki yeah. kind of stuff, and those Shinji Aramaki ones, those are such terrible movies, but. Uh, they keep making them, and I guess they must. Somebody make- wrote in and said that they asked him about the zero G backflip in the Harlock movie. Really? And uh, he gave like some answer that seemed like kind of a weird dodge. Huh. But I don't, I don't remember it. I'm trying to find it in the emails, but I just, it's not coming up. But yeah, that the I think a lot of these people don't talk to each other, and I understand that. But it would be nice if they could spread this out over like six months. Because uh, these things right. are all happening at the same time. Not all of us have... And in, in a lot of these things, you need a minimum of like 60 bucks. Or if you're in the case of uh, Escaflone, $125 in order to get the thing that you're... Get the show. Get, just get, get the show. Just get the show. I mean, Skip Beat is reasonable. I believe it's 60 bucks for the whole show. That's reasonable. Um, yeah. Anime fans, you know, if, if you're just like in the course of a couple of days are just like nicking all of this off of anime fans this is this is rough yeah anyway i actually did find the email here from the person who asked shinji aramaki about this it's actually it's two emails but i think i'll read just the second one i'll read a part of it because basically uh the initial part of it was uh, me recommending area 88 talking about uh high school seha girls but okay here, here's the part that's relevant i most read this is from alice who uh, goes to a fancy college that I could not afford to get into and probably don't have the smarts to get into. I think uh, it's George Washington University, if I'm reading this email correctly. Which says, I most recently listened to the episode where you three reviewed the 3D Captain Harlock movie. I saw this movie as a double feature with Appleseed Alpha at the DC Sackler Gallery of Art as a part of DC's Cherry Blossom Festival. They made the horrible mistake of showing Harlock in 3D with subtitles. The movie was hard enough to focus on without the dialogue fuzzily popping out oh of the screen. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> the, I guess they showed it the 3D version, nobody had glasses. Um, oh no. After that was Appleseed Alpha 2D dub, because again, <laughs> Appleseed Alpha was made in English primarily. I think watching the two in that order and in that fashion made Appleseed Alpha come off as a better steaming movie than it actually is, with the crowd responding way better to it than Harlock. <laughs> The museum actually flew in the director for questions after the showing, and he was asked about the shower scene in Harlock. Oh, good. (laughs) Such a great person. Get get ready for this one. His response was that it was a part of a montage of the characters living their daily lives on the ship, (laughs) eating, sleeping, and showering, but they had to cut it for time and decided to leave only the shower scene with the director saying, I think you can guess why. That is not an answer to why you did a backflip in the shower, Shinji Aramaki. Uh, He was also asked why the main character's outfit in Appleseed was so revealing, you know, because they gave dude in like the big titty window. And he explained that the outfit in the movie was actually the more conservative of the options they were considering in the initial pre-designs. He also clarified the name changes in Harlock for Logan and the like, because if you, um, we mentioned this back in the review, but the right. subtitles actually reflect like these name changes that don't correspond to the Japanese. He clarified the name changes and the like were made for the sake of trying to appeal better to an international audience. 
It was not some weird localization thing. It was instead a weird marketing idea from the Japanese. So this is like, mm. like we're going to make Loop on the Third more appealing to an international audience by renaming him Chase Tracer. That sort of <laughs> Japanese <laughs> idea. I wonder who the who the Never international marketing consultants are who who suggest right. this shit. Well, they asked like you know you mentioned like we keep making these Apple Seed CG features because. Can I have their because, job? Because yeah. <laughs> he said because apparently Americans like these Apple Seed CG features. They're making them for here. A group of girls in the audience asked if they were going to make more just because they liked the newest film so much. The director mentioned Apple Seed Alpha was made specifically with American audiences in mind. It was one of the few times we got a Blu-ray of something before Japan did. So I hope this email has some new information for you guys. Uh, so thank you very much, Alice. It uh, is revelatory in that it uh, reinforces our worldviews. Well, I think we knew that those Appleseed movies were made for certainly an outside of Japan audience. I mean, you don't get right. John Woo to work on it if it's just going to be seen by a small Japanese audience. Only in J Japan. Yeah. Right. It's one of those things also where we were saying Appleseed is like this buffer in between Ghost in the Shells. To keep the faith alive, which uh, I also mentioned, like in the next Otaku USA, I uh, reviewed the aptly named Ghost in the Shell new movie, The New Movie. Uh, <laughs> it's the, that's the, the best name they come up with. Ghost in the Shell, the series that's renowned for its highfalutin ideas and quality of writing. The name of the new movie is The New Movie. Uh. Uh, and it was interesting because the Funimation marketing, they don't mention that it's a Ghost in the Shell Arise movie. It just says Ghost in the Shell, The New Movie. But it finishes so like, like oh, the story of Arise. Right? Correct. Like Ghost in the Shell Arise, you know, like I, I don't want to give away too much of what I wrote in my magazine review, but I kind of likened it to Young Blackjack, which we just got done talking about in the last episode where we said, this is not really a prequel, Young Blackjack. It's just Blackjack younger doing the same thing he's always doing. And so Ghost in the Shell Arise is kind of not really a prequel or, you know, even a soft reboot of Ghost in the Shell. It's just everybody from standalone complex, only they're not as old. And so... I think if you just watch the new movie, having only seen standalone complex, you can pretty much immediately understand like 95% of it immediately uh. because so little of it has changed since the standalone complex setting. Other than the fact that they're all drawn younger and for whatever reason, they're not in section nine. <laughs> they're just at odds with our Maki, except they all work in section nine. Like, I don't know. Like I watched ghost and shall arise and then alternative uh, architecture was the TV show, which the last two episodes they made were like two new episodes that were sort of the start of the storyline. The new movie concludes and they were all part of section nine in the show and the show ends and they're in section nine and the movie makes it seem like they have nothing to do with section nine. Uh, I don't know. In any case, it's the same characters. It's the same dynamics. So mm. I guess Funimation was banking on nobody bought Arise, nobody watched Arise. We put this movie yeah. out, we can get the standalone complex people. Yeah. yeah, I don't know many people that saw Arise, and I don't know many people that saw Arise that liked it. I like it fine enough. It's just it's like Young Blackjack compared to Blackjack. Like, mm. do you like Blackjack? Yeah, it's the same thing as Blackjack. You could have done a little more with this setting and this premise, I think, yeah. given that you went to the trouble to make it that right. way. That's really why people are like, eh, I don't know. It's because it's just more basically a standalone complex. Turns out standalone complex is really great, but if you're going to go to this trouble to have it be like before whatever. Well, I guess we will see when, this, when the new live action Hollywood movie comes out. Yeah, I'm not even going to talk about that. So anyway, two more things before we get to the review. <clears throat> Convention season's coming up. Got two oh, cons. Don't remind me. <laughs> that uh, I want to announce here. 
first one, Anime Fan Fest is May 6th to May 8th in the uh, Garden State Exhibit Center in New Jersey. I'm a guest there. It's because it's uh, actually Otaku USA is doing a convention. So I am going to, to be going up there, and it's going to be kind of rough because May 6th is when Captain America Civil War comes out, and the worst time to be at the Anime Con is right opposite the release <laughs> of the major nerd movie. I'm probably going to have to see if I can somehow see this film, but I don't know how reasonable or realistic that will be. That's in less than 30 days. It's 26 days away, and I'm getting all these panel confirmations that I got to do. Then after that, Anime Next is June 10th to 12th, also in New Jersey, but in moving, they used to be in the Garden State Exhibit Center where Anime Fan Fest is. They've now moved, they've expanded out there in Atlantic City, and in the Atlantic City Convention Center, and all three of us are there. We are going, not sure what we're doing yet. We did submit, like, here's what we'd like to do, but we will all be present for that one. And uh, I've never been to Atlantic City. I understand that it's really gone downhill now that boxing is no longer a thing, but we will try not to gamble away our life savings, and we'll instead try and blow our life savings on whatever it is that they're selling Yes. As far as toys and figures. Let us all that... learn from Kaiji's example. Oh, yeah. If you come back gamble. with no fingers, then you'll know what happened. <laughs> I got the fingers reattached. It's okay. <laughs> I can still work in these slave mines. Play the landmine <laughs> twister or whatever it is that they ended up playing. Uh, so, yeah, those, those are the two conventions that are coming up real soon that uh, I haven't done anything for either of them oh god and at least one is like brand new panels that we have to start making but i haven't heard back as far as what it is we're doing similarly right we are go for anime weekend atlanta and i haven't started submitting panels for that their deadline is soon ish otakon we submitted our stuff we're not going to hear back for that right. for a little while those are pretty much our major conventions for the year I think, unless more pop up, uh, stay tuned to this podcast if anything else comes up, because we may end up hitting like uh, Anime Festival Orlando and some stuff like that that's a little more local to Florida. Uh, unless there's anything else. Nope, that's it for me, I guess. All right. Well, if you want to send us an email, the email address is www.animeworldorder.com. That's the place to send in all your questions, comments, moans, and groans. You can also visit our website at www dot anime world where you can find this episode and comment on that you can also find links to all our previous episodes guess get all the shilling out of the way new issue of otaku usa is out clarissa is back in the fold writing features on what'd you write about i hope to uh, start writing as well for it soon because uh, now i can yeah uh, in the so. meantime i i didn't do too uh, much for it i wrote a review of mobile suit gundam iron-blooded orphans and i also did a review i mean an interview i should say with shinichi okashiwata which is like this is that the special number three? No, that's Anime USA. It was a special. Oh, no, weird. USA, uh, the new issue is June 2016, as it would be on the front cover. Yeah, that Shinichi Kashiwata interview, he was a producer for Anaplex. We interviewed him like years ago, and we just never oh, got around yeah. to, to printing was... it. But it's a good, it's an awesome interview. And so uh, the next issue, I'm writing a, a ton more of for it, uh, reviewing, uh, like I said, Yurikuma Arashi, but probably also... Some uh, Lupin the Third related stuff because we got a couple new releases for that. Uh, Osamu Tezuka's Storm Fairy, Blood Sea Demonic Moonlight, some, some other stuff that eludes my memories. But in addition to that, they finally, after needling and tweets from uh, one of our listeners, Elijah, to Zach uh, over at Anime News Network, they let me do a feature on Anime News Network finally. I've never really written anything for there ever until now. I think years ago, 
I submitted a review of New Getter Robo because they asked, and they never printed it, presumably because it was a review of New Getter Robo. But uh, in this time, in this case, uh, I wrote a basically a partial adaptation of an old anime con panel that I did and since lost. It's all about uh, you know the classic Japanese animation and uh, shonen anime connection. That's over at AnimeNewsNetwork.com. I'll put a link to it up on our website for this episode for those interested in reading it. Uh, hopefully, you know enough people read that that they say, "Hey, write uh, a follow-up to it." But I have no idea how they decide what goes to print and what doesn't over there. I do know that uh, it's finally come to pass after the cardinal sin that I committed, and when I say sin, I mean awesome thing that I committed. When Evangelion 2.22 came out, I demanded that the V for Vendetta guy review it for Otaku USA, and all the Ava people were very like not happy about that one. So if this one has the review of Ava 3.33, and so we got Aaron Clark uh, over at Ava Monkey and uh, Otakon Panels <laughs> to do his review of it. So that's kind of finally the, the balances have been restored. Also, he ha- even he hated Ava 3.33. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like I've got the reviews for um, Mr. Osamatsu and Bodacious space pirates oh boy so yeah check those out that magazine uh url website is www.otakuusamagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print or digital editions without further ado or with perhaps an ado for our a word from our sponsor whom we briefly mentioned uh secretly just now when we were talking about some of these news items uh yes and then we can get to the review so of knights of sidonia correct correct This episode of the Anime World Order podcast is brought to you by RightStuffAnime.com. RightStuffAnime is the place to go if you want to buy anime DVDs, Blu-rays, manga, whether it's Seven Seas, whether it's Sentai Filmworks, Discotech Media, Funimation, you name it. Each week there is a special where they discount the titles from that publisher. Plus... If you have the Got Anime membership, they'll take an additional percentage off of the already discounted price. So between the discount stacking and the fact that if you spend $49, shipping is free, you can see that, hey, this beats even Amazon Prime as a way to get a lot of anime a lot of the time. And earlier when I mentioned that we had stealthily given a mention to our sponsor for this episode, that is because Right Stuff is handling the fulfillment for the Skip Beat Kickstarter, which... As of the time I'm recording this, I am happy to report it has met its goal to a Blu-ray release of Skip Beat. So head on over to R-I-G-H-T-S-T-U-F-Anime.com, Right Stuff Anime. Go ruin your life by the accumulation of media. And then you too can be an otaku worthy of the Anime World Order podcast. The landscape of anime availability has changed enormously. Just in the last few years, even just three, four years ago, as we record this, I just recently posted a a picture on Twitter. It was a screenshot of this website, Anime Ski's front page, which 
When we started this podcast, that was the number one place to find anime torrents. Now, if you go to the site... Yeah, it was a piracy sort of site. Like, it was a yeah. portal for, like, hosting links to torrents. Right. Yeah, I don't think we ever mentioned the site's name because, you know, we didn't want to be all about that. But it doesn't matter now because I posted the site and there have been no anime torrents for a long time. Kind of the end of an era. Right. Well, it's that anime ski in particular would always take down links for anything that was licensed. Now, there's so much stuff that's licensed that there's, like, nothing left anymore. Yeah, now we're in the time where most anime fans don't even need to pirate anime, since virtually everything you can get for a small membership cost or just watching some commercials. Right. This has significantly lowered and in some ways increased the cost of someone wanting to get in on the game. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's, like, is what, new Macross stuff because of Harmony Gold? And that is an artificial... Delta has no simulcast anywhere that's an artificial barrier to entry because uh yeah. that company... even shoji kawamori is pissed off that that can't happen yeah because <laughs> yeah. everyone's like what rights do you even have to this this is garbage yep but anyway the entry cost for anime distribution was never very low to begin with because it required some level of previous familiarity with the licensors you had to have good translators you have to have people who are mm-hmm. you know technically capable you some oftentimes need to have a good dub cast so it's not a very easy industry to get into the big people in the licensed anime stream have been basically crunchyroll and funimation for a while vicky was a distant third and hulu comes somewhere in between because a lot of the stuff that hulu streams is just sort of a different cover for funimation right or for uh sentai like for anime network will also go up on hulu mm-hmm. yeah so they're somewhere kind of in between i don't really know people don't i don't don't know many people that enjoy using hulu most of the people i know usually use crunchyroll funimation and one other site which is the undisputed juggernaut in streaming netflix yeah i think what really separates hulu f- from the big ones like Crunchyroll and Netflix is the things that are most successful are sites where it's fairly easy to find like another show or to get recommendations for a show. Mm -hmm. Hulu people don't like because you can only really watch the show that you're looking to watch and finding things randomly from Hulu is not happening. You can kind of, it's very hard to browse because Hulu, it's almost like trying to browse YouTube in that there is just so much stuff there. Like, Hulu has a lot of, like, Indian movies and Indian TV shows as well. I would say YouTube is probably one of the most successful sites in the world because it recommends things very well. Like, there's a pretty decent, not perfect, but a pretty decent, like, recommendations algorithm and manner of finding new content on there that Hulu doesn't have. Whereas Netflix, that's, like, the huge secret of their success is we think you'll like Mm -hmm. this, and those recommendations are pretty precise for a lot of people yeah right and uh, netflix until recently only streamed anime that was already licensed they just got the streaming license for it a lot of the viz stuff is on there but uh, netflix is probably the biggest and most significant distributor of anime in america if not the world just because of their reach, their availability, their influence. Right, because lots of people who aren't anime fans have a subscription to Netflix for other things, whereas you're only going to have a subscription to Crunchyroll if you're already an anime fan. Exactly, right. Yeah, I mean, they've got enormous amounts of money, Netflix, Mm -hmm. and enormous amounts of influence. Apparently now, like, the... The stuff that they get made is people never thought that stuff would ever get made for anything other than like Hollywood movies. But uh, anyway, this is why uh, Knights of Sidonia is sort of interesting at this sort of meta level. This is the first anime to be licensed by Netflix for streaming. 
So if you want to watch the show streaming, you have to have a Netflix account. Knights of Sidonia is, as of this review, is a two-season anime series based upon a manga by Tsutomu Nihei. You might know Tsutomu Nihei as the creator of the manga Blame. I think it's pronounced Blam. Is it Blam? It's spelled Blame, but I believe it's like a sound effect like you, if you're firing a gun. Yeah. Then why is so, there an E at the end of it? Because he's Japanese. That's bullshit. But <laughs> <laughs> I love that manga. Love it. The, again, the anime was a mixed bag. Knights of Sidonia is a pretty hard sci-fi series, something you don't see a lot of nowadays, set in the very, very distant future. The show itself never actually says when it's set. You actually have to kind of figure it out from what people say. But according to uh, other sources, it's set around the year 3360 or so. Now, just for reference for this review, I have read several chapters of the manga, but this is not going to be a review of the manga. This is going to be a review of the anime itself. And so, yeah, if there's any so if you want the manga, Vertical is released the manga yes. like in the United States, and it's a very typical, high-quality Vertical comics release. If you want it, it's there. It's easily available. Right. And so if there's any differences between the manga and the anime, it's going to be the anime that we're going to be talking about. What's happened in the show and, you know, what sets it up is that it's been roughly about a thousand years prior to the show is when Earth was attacked and destroyed by these giant creatures called the Gauna. Humanity has had to escape on these enormous ships, which there were several hundred, if not several thousand of these ships. And the ship that the show is set on is clearly one from Japan. Everything there is basically modeled very, very heavily on Japanese society. All the food is, you know, things like takoyaki and rice balls and things like that. And even though there are several hundreds of these ships supposedly out there, none of them interact. So for all intents and purposes, you could consider this kind of the last of humanity on this ship. The story itself centers around this young boy named Nagate Tanikaze, who has been living in sort of the underground bowels of this ship since he was born. And he was raised by his grandfather and never been outside of there and was trained all day long on these uh, ship simulators that just kind of happened to be in those underground bowels. And the show opens and Tanikaze's grandfather has died. And so now he's venturing out into the populated areas and is attempting to rejoin the rest of society. Since Tanikaze has been isolated from everyone, he's a little bit awkward. But not as much as you would think someone who has, you know, never been around anyone other than his old man. Was his grandpa like be. a voluntary hermit or something? It's explained why he's down there. I don't want to oh, give okay, that Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, there, is, there are reasons for that. Gotcha. But Tanikaze, is, he's got some major piloting skills. And so he's just too good. So he's very quickly recruited into the Sidonia ace pilot. Like, they're basically their military. Now, what is Sidonia? Because I, I think you kind of slightly glossed over that. Yeah, Sidonia is the ship. The name of the ship is Sidonia. The, the world, the country, the earth, whatever, the, the entire setting, that enormous ship is the Sidonia. And he is one of the knights of the Sidonia. Now, something that is kind of weird and a little bit sort of off-putting about it is that the entire society, as it's depicted here, is sort of centered around fighting the Gauna. It's mentioned very early in the first episode. You know, we see these protests going on in the street, saying, you know, we need this war with the Gauna, we need to stop this thing. But here's the thing. In the first episode, we have our first encounter with the Gauna, these enormous aliens. The best I can compare them to, if anybody is familiar with Gunbuster, the aliens in Gunbuster are very much like that. They're just these gigantic sort of insects or just enormous sort of creatures. But they have this encounter 
And then they mention this is the first encounter that they've had in a hundred years with the Gauna. It's a little bit strange, especially in a hard sci-fi series. And when, in, when you're looking at a hard sci-fi series, the details matter. It's kind of like if all of American society for the last hundred years had been completely centered around, like, diphtheria and polio. Or if all of society were centered around, you know, a possible meteor strike. Like, yes, there are people who study these and they're concerned about them. But this is not like a major thing that you think about every day. I mean, I guess it sort of makes sense if most of Earth was obliterated or taken over by the aliens. But it's weird just because this is the first time in a hundred years right. that they've encountered them. And anyway, the, as the series progresses, the Gauna attacks sort of continue and get heavier and heavier at the same time. And at the same time, Nagate has to get accustomed to, you know, life on the Sidonia and life with other people. Mm. And this is where the show leads to a very awkward balance. One half of the show are the battles between the Gauna and the Sidonia pilots, and the other half is basically sort of weird romantic comedy hijinks hmm. that we've seen sort of so often in other shows. Like, there are multiple times where Nagate, the main character, is walking in on girls changing or falling all over girls, or, you know, some fellow pilots are moving in and everyone is wondering what they're doing. This becomes one of the major frustrations that I have with this show. Oh, so it's very cliche about how it handles that stuff? Tremendously. Mm. And another unusual thing about this show is the company that made it. The company that made it is a company called Polygon Pictures, and they've been around for quite a long time. Yeah, I know that name. They are the oldest CG studio in Japan. They might be the oldest in the world. They have been around three years longer than Pixar has. So that gives you an idea of how, how old and experienced these guys should be. However, they have pretty much exclusively worked on things like commercials or event videos or pachinko machine games. So or short video game kind cinemas. of things. Yes. Mm. Uh, some of the stuff that you might have seen, they did a lot of the cinemas for like Onimusha, Dead or Alive games. They did some Ultraman movies. They worked on some of the cinemas in Ghost in the Shell Innocence. Daryl, you might have seen some of their stuff. They did uh, some work on Transformers Prime and Star Wars The Clone Wars and Tron Uprising. So they've been working on a lot of stuff. However, all of those were works for hire. Knights of Sidonia is the first work that they have made start to finish on their own. And this is where I have to be brutally honest here. There are a bunch of things that Knights of Sidonia does wrong and a few things that it does right. But one of the most egregious things that it does is in its visuals. I don't know. Have either of you seen the manga for Knights of Sidonia? Yes, I read the manga. I pretty much have read through it. I haven't. It. Okay, so maybe, maybe you can actually let me know where I'm, where I'm off on a couple of things here. Um, and have you guys seen any of the Blame manga? I mean, Daryl, you mentioned it. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's another thing where that, that's a comic where it's very, like, that's the one that puts Tomonihe on the map was Blam. Mm -hmm. And people just Blam, sorry. reading that and just being like, <laughs> amazed at like this guy's like crazy artwork and like the manner in which that he'll tell a story and sorry clarissa i think i talked over you what did, what did uh have you had any experience with this guy's art no i haven't i mean i remember when you know blam came out and it was real big online with a lot of people but it was one of those that i i was curious about but i just never got around to reading and um i haven't yeah. had a chance to read sidonia either and, and Daryl, you're on the mark there the art in this is incredible tsutomu nihei is a master. I, the closest thing I can compare him to is Otomo. Katsuhiro Otomo is the uh, creator of Akira, for those who aren't familiar. And the manga for Akira is just 
gorgeously illustrated just incredible detail right. yeah like i'm looking and at some images here online and they're super detailed uh, incredibly detailed for knights of sidonia and uh this the scale of the of the world that he always creates uh blam is one of those the guy was apparently an architect before which is why like all the structures are huge in his work it's very evident in blam in the Sidonia manga, it's also there, but not as much in the anime. Wait a minute. Does this, this manga have a fucking bear with a sniper rifle? That is Biomega. Oh, okay. Uh, Bio- <laughs> which is also Stomini. Okay. And that's another triumph <laughs> of, like, what's Stom- And there's a scene where the bear with a sniper rifle gives, like, a high five on a motorcycle. Like, this is the kind of thing that, like, <laughs> All right, Stomini. Okay. He's kind of like basically the modern contemporary cyberpunk man is Stomini. There is uh, a bear in this show who is a bartender with a cybernetic hand. So he likes bears. It's a very mothering bear too. She cooks and everything. I don't remember how bears factored into, you know, his other work. I just remember <laughs> Biomega. <laughs> and I guess you are correct. Yeah, Sidonia as well. Yes. The show is tremendously ugly, especially when you compare any of it to the manga. The action scenes in space, while I'm sure that the action scenes are very accurate from a physics standpoint, they are just horribly directed. No dynamism to the fight scenes. There's very little sense of scale. Ah. Let me give you an example. You see, looking at, like, still screenshots, it looks okay, but just in motion, it just doesn't... Oh, it's... There's no... And it just loses so much. Uh, For example, the Sidonia is enormous. Now, I'm actually not sure how big it is exactly... I couldn't find any statistics in the show, but the main railgun in the show, it is used to fire projectiles at the Gauna. The main railgun alone is 28 kilometers long. So 17 miles of it is just a gun. And that's not even the whole length of this ship. So uh, also another thing that bugged me was, you know, this is a group of people, a large group of people that have been isolated from everybody, from all the rest of humanity for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So how many of them are there? And I had to ask this because there was not a single scene in the anime that had more than about 20 people on screen. And so I had to find out from other sources that there's about half a million people in this vessel. These are the details that sort of matter. You're never going to get like detailed explanations from Stominihe in anything. If you read Blam, like he doesn't actually come out and give you your info dump explanation of anything. Like He is not a guy who will ever over explain anything. Like, However, he's going to tell you... Just enough. However, his artwork explains a lot. If you want to have an idea of how big something is, he will draw it super big. If you want to have an idea of how many people are there, he'll draw a large crowd. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, if you were reading Blam or Bramu or however you want to pronounce that, you don't actually have, like, a sense, like, of somebody coming out and telling you, here's how large the world is, or here's how long this has been taking place for, this is how much time has passed. That's all, like... You have to infer this over reading it. Yeah, you just you just see like the moon and where it is lo- where its location is relative to other things. Mm. And he explains a lot in the artwork, and that's why it's important. Where if something is, you know, a lot of things have to be explained visually, then that's where the translation to the studio just sort of collapses. And that's where sort of small things sort of stood out to me as just sort of really annoying. Like this is going to sound super duper nitpicky. 
But this is something that I was just watching this show and I was just like, why is this happening? Like, for example, we're during one of the Gauna battles, as with any show of this sort, Macross did this, uh, all these shows do this, you have the pilots communicating with a command center. And this command center is headed up by the captain of the ship, which is uh, this lady known as, all she's known as is Kobayashi. And she's ahead of the immortal ship committee. She's about 600 years old. As usual, there's someone who's right under her, who directs the battle. And then there are one, you know, two or three assistants whose only job it is is to relay information about this battle so they can, you know, so that the commanders can make decisions. And the assistants are decked out in this incredibly cool gear. Like in still shots, so much of this looks really neat. They have these full masks over their faces that look a lot like the main character in Dead Space is the closest thing I can compare it to. Mm. And these, these masks are, you know, obviously designed to relay a whole bunch of information along with the screens in front of them. But then the animators feel the need to constantly have them look back at their commander and, say, you know, say things to her face. And I keep thinking like, why did they need to do this? This is a small thing, but it completely it it seems completely unnecessary. Everybody is mic'd in this. Everything is you know completely conveyed perfectly inside their masks, and there's nothing that they can convey by looking back. But they can, but they do all the time. Mm. And again, a small thing, but it's very representative of the problems with the anime. And I can't tell if it's a problem with the director or not. The director is a is a guy named Kobun Shizuo. He's mostly worked on Detective Conan movies. Co- Kobun Shizuno, yeah, he's a pretty famous like director. He's done as a lot far of as things he's worked on. Yeah, he did Detective Conan, a bunch of that. He did stuff like Final Fantasy Unlimited, Burst Angel. I, I remember he did Fist of the North Star, one of the new ones. Toki Den. Probably he one did... of the better. Yeah, well, that's probably one of the best ones in the new Fist of the North Star things. And it's not even new anymore because it's been many years. And yeah. then um, he worked on I, I something else like one of the uh, rebuild movies, Ava. But I don't know uh, which one. I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't have his. I don't have check right in. now. He was co-director for Ava uh, 1.0. Okay. Yeah. He was a co-director on a lot of things. Uh, the main director on not as much, but yeah, he did do Tokiden. A bunch co-director of the- on the final episode of Giant Robo. Like the guy's not like a scrub. No, he's not. And so that's what kind of makes me wonder about some of this. Hmm. I can't figure out like why this this effort seems so so subpar. Some of the other frustrations with the show, it seems to really only, a lot of it seems to focus so much on, like, the hilarious hijinks with the teenagers when they're not fighting the Gauna. Uh, for example, the first episode of the second season sets up what what seems like it could be a really awesome storyline. You find out, like, there's a traitor on the Sidonia, and this is, seems like a big deal, but what is the most memorable part of the second season? What do they focus on the most? That Nagate is moving in with two girls. That's what ends up being the most important thing. And I haven't read the manga, so I can't tell if this is a manga issue or an adaptation issue. The manga had this absolutely incredible scene that happens very, very early in the show. I think that in the show it's like maybe the second or third episode where one of the Gauna is hurtling towards the, this ship, this gigantic ship, and they have to make this very fast maneuver to try to avoid it. And so they have this call out that everybody has to sort of lock themselves down. Everybody in the society have these things on their belts, these sort of they're almost like, like a handcuff, like half a handcuff that they just sort of hook onto a railing somewhere. Because this is a giant ship that is moving very... And if you move and make a sudden movement like that, you know, it can be devastating. And this has to happen so quickly that uh, hundreds of people are just flown out of windows and out of, uh, out of buildings and just are splattered all over the Sidonia, just across buildings. It's an amazing, an incredible scene. When it's uh, on the manga page and the anime... It's actually translated very closely. So 
this is why I was I was wondering like what is the what am I seeing in the anime and that's that's not in the manga or vice versa and no other scenes like that really happen in the anime that's it's just this incredible scene that happens very early on and that's it well it is one of those things where I mean that scene does happen in the manga and it is replicated in the anime and without having seen like this anime like as well as I know the manga like I know the manga does have like various scenes of like you know girls changing in locker rooms and stuff like that and you know some of the scenes that you're talking about where like oh yeah you'll walk in on someone like that exists I just don't remember it being like half of the comic I remember it existing, I just, but I, I haven't read it in a while. It's an enormous amount of the show. Way too much. Way, way more than it, than it even should be. It may be a case where it just it costs a lot of money to do like a lot of the space scenes and the weird like architecture and like the weird like parts where they're like interfacing right. with so the aliens. So they're conserving budget sort of by stuff. doing more of the romantic comedy stuff? By, yeah, like decompressing like the in-between parts hmm. maybe. Like I, I can only speculate. Like I just remember... From reading the comic, I don't get the impression of, oh, this is most of this comic. is like these, you know, day-to-day uh, -day humdrum anime life on the ship. Like, yeah, that exists just as part of, like, the reason that these people are at least some sort of personalities for you to hook into as opposed to, like, potential fodder <laughs> for, you know, the, the grinder. So it could be just as an action of, like, hey, we only have so much money to make this show and so we are going to have 15 minutes of the screen time per episode be this and 10 minutes be this. And I, I, I can't answer that part. I just know like everything you've described on paper sounds like, yeah, I remember things like that happening in the manga, but I don't know if it's like, you know, 80% of the manga by any means. Like most of what I remember is people in spacesuits and giant weird imagery that you've never seen before sort of thing you'd expect from Stoma Nihei. Yeah, unfortunately, so little of that seems like it translated over into the anime. I remember some people talking about the show and saying, like, well, the, the thesis of the show might be why humans should not live in space, which would be really cool. But uh, unfortunately, that's not exactly what the show is about. Hmm. Well, it's interesting that you mention all this, because, like, all I know is, like, again, I've only got half the picture. You've only got half the picture. But I know a lot of people who watched this anime were longtime fans of the manga. And I don't really see, like, this large backlash against the anime adaptation versus its source material. And you usually find that out very, very quickly. Like, case in point, new anime season, we've got, like, some adaptations of prior source material. You found out within about, you know, an hour of the new Ace Attorney anime coming out that it was shit, uh, that it, you know, was not handled well compared to the source material, because people let you know. <laughs> right. In the case of Sidonia... I don't know if this is just a case of them sort of picking and choosing uh, what parts here and there to uh to put into the uh the anime and what parts to sort of expand out of course it's maybe it's like i'm looking just like again without going based on i hadn't heard anything i've looked up well what do people rate on my anime list oh well it seems to be rated pretty high what do people rate on the anime news network encyclopedia oh it seems to be rated pretty high so i'm not sure if these are deficiencies in the core story or if it's a deficiency in the adaptation because it seems like People seem to like the two seasons of Knights of Sidonia. Well, I and so I don't know. I mean, it's not hard um, for me to just sort of defend myself against a bunch of nameless people on the internet, and I don't go with the crowd. I go with what I watched, and what I watched was a show that had way too much emphasis on you know this boring home life, very boring action scenes that, and an incredibly ugly looking show that just really sort of 
seemed to waste a lot of opportunities, especially when it came from the manga. It also just doesn't make sense to me because, you know, Japan watches Pixar movies. They're big over there and they watched Frozen and they watch all these CG movies. So they've seen the best CG animation that's out there. And so I don't know why it's such a problem for them to try to replicate this in any way. I know that these are multi-million dollar movies and these are much smaller projects. Right. I mean, American production companies tend to put way more money into any given production than would be spent in most Japanese productions. But then, hold on, then they make these decisions that make no sense. Like, what they do with Knights of Sidonia is then they do these frame drops in it as well, which I don't know why they keep doing that. I guess they want to replicate 2D animation. And this happens in that show. It happens more so in the um, the space scenes, not as much. Hmm. But again, I just can't figure out why they can't seem to get this right. I mean, my when it comes to like CG anime, the stuff I like is like Gouda Gouda fairies, and that's purposely <laughs> done to be just sort of sort of simple and silly. And you when know, you ask Japanese people like Shinji Aramaki on down, they all say like this defining trait of Japanese animation or anime that can set them apart from Western animation is the use of limited animation techniques. And I think they just, I, I mean, we say it all the time that, you know, it seems like it's an unnecessary thing they, that they carried that idea over. We talked about this a little extensively when we reviewed uh, the 009 Cyborg movie where they went out of their way yeah. to do that look. And we said like, oh, well, it seems to just make an end result that just looks bad. But I mean, I think in their mind, they're like, well, we're never going to have that, you know, Wreck-It Ralph money so we're just going to have to go by, you know, a stylization that we think is kind of going to be valid that can be done on our terms. And they think limited animation is one of those stylistic elements that work in their favor. I mean, to me, I think it usually does not work no, in their favor. But I don't know if that's something if Shinji Aramaki is like, yeah, we're making these things for America now in the case of Appleseed, but they're still utilizing these techniques then what? I don't have an answer for that because to me, it seems like it's so obvious. Like when I look at some of the CG, uh, especially the integration of 3D CG with 2D animation, which Sidonia doesn't really... No, there's no 2D animation in this. A big concern is when you have the limited animation and like the frame rates don't match up or like, you know, you have CG that is moving kind of jankily, like much has been said about like standalone complex, which is now like, you know, 16 years ago or you know, even more recent things like, you know, even Tiger and Bunny is many, many years ago. Like, you know, people often would say like, oh, that integration isn't quite right. right. And I think a lot of it just had to do with, yeah, we're going to use these limited animation techniques in a medium where you're not actually saving labor. But in their mind, they're like, oh, yeah, right. no, it's making a cool look. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of cases where whether it's a matter of individual like perception or whether it's a matter of kind of knowledge you see those kinds of things a lot you know kind of like the the arguments back and forth between like people who are audiophiles versus you know most people like most people don't necessarily notice some of the audio quality differences between like different you know formats they're not bothered by you know compressed mp3s most people probably don't even notice uh, but some people like it really bothers them. Yeah, like when Gerald yeah. mentioned, like it, you know, Polygon Pictures, they've worked on other productions. Like you said, you said they worked on Clone Wars and Tron Uprising and yeah. Transformers which, Prime, and, which don't and those do don't that. Have that sort of limited animation frame cutting right. effect in their CG. So it's certainly not like the studio isn't capable of it. Like they must be going out of their way to 
generate the effect that you're seeing and think like, oh, this just looks bad. Because it's not like Tron Uprising was this bad looking show. No, it was, uh, a, it, it was a very stylized show. But yeah, I, I don't recall Tron Uprising like having that sort of jerky look. But right. they, I think like, they were I just one studio. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of the character designs in Tron Uprising, but I don't remember mm. the show, you know, looking bad in terms of the animation. Right. And I mean, I think that they were just one studio of many that worked on those sure. shows. So you have to kind of conform your standards to what everybody else is doing. Like, this is them from, you know, beginning to end. And so that kind of leaves me sort of in a weird position with this show. The focus on these goofy sort of romantic comedy sort of cliched things made me made me think like what is up with this show because i had to go i had to look back and see like okay where would this manga originally run because what immediately came to my mind was the show you go the negotiator one of my most hated shows of the past couple of years because it was a fantastic concept completely wasted because that was a shonen manga it was a manga designed for young boys, and so I thought it was going to be a show about, you know, a hostage negotiator being, you know, cool and awesome. But Knights of Sidonia was an afternoon, which is a seinen publication. So this must lead me to believe that a lot of these sort of shonen-style, like, nonsense must be added for the anime, or at least must be greater emphasized in the anime. We well, gotta remember, afternoon is like, oh my goddesses, <laughs> publications, so, I mean... There's a lot of readership of that for, like, you know, your wacky anime relationship hijinks to get that in there, like, on the editorial side. Like, I'm sure that's present. Because, I mean, Afternoon is like, you know, Gunsmith Cats was Afternoon, right? I don't I know, like, everything that ran remember. in Afternoon. I'm just, it was definitely saying I'm 90% sure that that ran in Afternoon, and I know for a fact that Oh My Goddess did, but could just be, like, editorial fiat. To say like, hey, you know, you got to get this in there because this is what the afternoon readership demand. Like, I'm, I know, like a lot of the dark horse stuff would be afternoon, uh, through right. afternoon because Kodansha owns yeah. it. I'm looking it up now. Big wind up is afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yokohama shopping district is like super duper moe. Uh, so, so there's a lot of so that's a that's a publication with a lot of wacky hijinks in general. Yeah, it kind of seems that way. Hmm. But also, Blade of the Immortal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Afternoon's got a hijinks. pretty good range of stuff. But yeah, Mysterious Girlfriend X, you know, also vertical release soon. So yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> definitely a, a huge amount of that in addition to like your Vinland Sagas and your, right. uh, you know, Eden, It's an Endless Worlds kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Blade of the Immortal, as I said. But yeah, Genshiken is Afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is definitely, and Genshiken, that's another one where I'm like, I would really be more interested in this if it was not so much about this romance side of things but that's what people wanted and so maybe i'm guessing that people wanted that for you know their knights of sidonia the anime world. adaptation because again i'm uh, we only have half the story one, each one, way once you get into anime adaptations it's always like okay now we have to preserve whatever was in the original source material because the fans demand it you've seen it for visual novel adaptations right. for video game adaptations manga to anime uh there's very few cases where they'll say oh we're gonna excise this because uh you know screw it i think that just must have been par for the course they must have said yeah you got to get in some scenes of walking in on girls in underwear it is so hard to translate that guy's artwork appropriately the artwork is such a big part in anime yet i think it's such it's such a big part right and that's why i wonder if maybe it's just a simple like budget issue it's like it's cheaper and easier to animate more of the interpersonal kind of mundane stuff as opposed to having you know 90 percent of the episode be like the crazy space battles 
Yeah, who who knows? And th- there's probably a lot of truth to that. I mean, I think we'll never really know unless we can interview <laughs> the the people who worked on it. I only ever remember watching the Blam anime, and I remember that sucking a lot. I remember that nobody liked it. It was like and, this one-shot OAV yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it was a, a one-shot right? thing, and I remember everybody just shat on it. And I remember saying that, and I remember you saying, like, no, 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 the, 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 you read the manga, the manga's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, because, I mean, I'm also thinking, like, just because I was just reading what was in Afternoon, Blade of the Immortal is this phenomenal manga and a terrible anime, but that's B-Train, you know, right. screwing the pooch on that one. In the case well, just of, you looking know, Nihei's at Blade artwork, of the Immortal, like, the amount oh. that it would probably cost and the difficulty of actually trying to make an anime that looks like that, yeah, I yeah, it's just it would be virtually impossible. And, you know, in the case of Nihei's artwork on the printed page, to actually translate that over into animation is already going to be like a tall order itself. And now you're dealing mm-hmm. with shows that are effectively made for Netflix, which, you know, are not like the highest budgeted things unless you've got like ABC Studios backing them, like, you know, their Marvel stuff or what have you. or right. like, You know, their... Uh, more prestigious. Well, like, this wasn't uh, this wasn't made for Netflix. This was actually it was licensed. just licensed by Netflix. Right. Okay, because sometimes they make it when you go to watch it and says like Netflix originals, but it's not really. Th- that's uh, the, yeah, because um, Netflix is now only just starting to get in the talks for creating their own anime. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like the stuff that they license still gets the like Netflix originals things. Because I think Glitter Force too like shows up as a Netflix original. Yeah, seven, yeah. S- seven Deadly Deadly Sins, and yeah, those were all made previously, right? And they just licensed them. And so is the case with Knights of Sidonia. It seems like this is a good example of a work where if you're going to spend the time sort of absorbing this work, do it in manga form. Because that guy's artwork, it's just a criminal to not be able to translate that artwork appropriately. Right. I feel like it would be cool if like maybe like Trigger or somebody would work on something based off his stuff. Like I think that's the kind of caliber of <laughs> animators you need. Yeah, well I mean think about when Otomo's work gets animated. Right. There's virtually no one who can animate it except when Otomo is kind of doing it himself mm-hmm. or like overseeing the project personally. Yeah. I mean, Akira, the movie captures like the scale and the detail of his artwork about as well as anything possibly can. Right. And I mean, that movie is just technically amazing. Like that movie still looks fantastic today. Uh, yeah. You know. In 1988, it hasn't it still aged looks at all. Incredible. No, it hasn't really hasn't. I think that might be the case with Knights of Sidonia, that there just was no way to make something of this scale. Yeah. But it seems like a lot of his work, there's a lot of, a lot of things either, you know, obvious or, or not, that is communicated visually through his, yeah. through his work. When you can't do that, it makes sort of these other parts of the show stand out as bigger problems, perhaps, than they would be. Because before the visuals were kind of carrying it, mm. and now you kind of dialed that back, and now you're focusing more on other things. Now you're focusing on otherwise would have on been. a story, on the characters, which are, by all rights, not necessarily awful, but very much something that we've seen before. I guess maybe the main test of like this studio, Polygon Pictures, as far as like you know how much of this is due to them and what have you. I mean, I am. Again, I read Knights of Sidonia. It's not like my top tier pick the way that like another vertical release, this manga called Ajin Demihuman. Yeah, they are working uh, which on is that. Phenomenal. Yeah, I that need to catch up on that. That just recently got made into an anime. 
And Polygon Pictures, like from what I hear, like people in Japan have been saying like, oh, well, you know, it was kind of a rocky start, but they really nailed it once it started getting further in because they did a couple different anime adaptations of it already. Like, you know, there was like compilation films that were not based on the TV series footage mm. and there's a TV show or I, I don't know, but there's like three movies that are like telling the story and then there's like a show and OAV and all this stuff is like made by Polygon Pictures. And people were pretty high on the finale of it. And I knew this was like a anime with like, I mean, let me say the manga had a really sharp artwork. Yeah. And what, what was especially good at was paneling and effectively like you take this. This is your storyboard. This is your storyboard for a movie a story. And for, forget like cartoon. You could make a film like going off of these storyboards for action scenes and what right. have you. So if the anime for Ajin ended up bad, then you'd know there's something going on on the, the talent side for this studio. But from what I've been hearing, and again, I haven't watched it yet, but people seem to like, eventually, the anime for Ajin. Like, I think maybe people were a little sketchy on some parts of it at first, and then as it went on, they were like, okay, no, this is very good. So it sounds like people were satisfied with that. Because those are three movies that they're doing. That's not a TV series. It is a TV series. Well, I'm looking at it's it. It's both. Are, isn't they, so Polygon is an anime, they made three movies and plus an OAV show. plus a TV show okay. uh, all for Ajin and it just wrapped up like the last episode came out like today or a 24, within the last 24 hours so that's why people are talking about it and they're saying like, oh this, this ended up great hmm. huh. and those were directed and, by uh, okay, Hiroaki Ando okay, so a different director then as well Interesting. Yeah, but, but I do notice like uh, Ajin it's also Kodansha work it also went in afternoon but technically it was a a side print of it called Good Afternoon, like a sister magazine to it. And it seems like Good Afternoon is maybe a little more, like, less hijinky, because that's like Tepu, and, uh, which was like this cool uh, MMA manga that I liked. Mm. Uh, you know, girls kicking each other in the face kind of thing. Um, I want that to get licensed but, you know, over here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would like to see a few things like yeah. that and all around her Megaru and stuff. But I mean, Good Afternoon is also like uh, Maria the Virgin Witch, which is not like wacky hijinky stuff. But, you know, it's still like kind I've of I've heard a, very good things about the anime, even though it's like one of the least popular anime released in the last couple of years. Yeah, right. but everyone who saw it liked it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Good Afternoon is also like, you know, there's a Fafner adaptation in there and, you know, some stuff like that. And let's not forget Good Afternoon is where the manga of Love Plus goes in. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe there's multitudes contained yeah. uh, within the Kodansha world. But in any case, I mean, Ajin, from what I've read, it's like there's not really any fucking around going on in that. That's right. a simulpub. If you go on Crunchyroll manga, if you have a subscription to Crunchyroll, you can read this manga and um, yes, Ajin it's is great. Uh, really yeah. good. Yeah, I like it a lot. Maybe that can be a review I do in the future, but that's where it's just like, you know, the question mark as far as what happened, what's being emphasized right. versus what's not. I'd have to look because I know like how long the action scenes take in Ajin versus, you know, if I were to watch the show and be like, oh, well, how long do they spend on, you know, the guy trying to figure stuff mm -hmm. out and versus how long do they spend on, you know, people getting bodied. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so maybe that same logic may extend into Sidonia. Yeah, maybe. Right. I mean, this is their first production as a studio. And I know that often people say, well, you can't really judge by a studio because people in Japan like work all at a lot like of different talent studios. go from here to there. Right, right. From here to there. You but can, if that were... Focus if, on the talent. If that were entirely the case, then it wouldn't be that, you know, it seems like there's a certain consistent quality out of certain studios. Like if a B-Train show comes out... 
there is a 60% chance it's going to be bad. <laughs> There's also a 78% chance that Koichi Mashimo is involved in it, because I think that's like his studio or right. something, right? Yeah. So that's probably the consistency factor <laughs> of B-Train being bad, yes. is that he's there. <laughs> yes. So, so it I, is a talent issue. Right. Yeah, so I think it's, it, it is viable to say, like, the studio worked on it, and they they have you know tended to produce things of this sort of level right. of quality. Right, and I mean some so. studios have more consistent membership than others. You know, like some, like I think Kyoto Animation has a pretty close knit stable of people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. My question is always: Is the title Knights of Sidonia a reference to the Muse song Knights of Sidonia? But I doubt either of you probably knows the answer to that. Yeah, I never heard of that band existing until, uh, what was it, Eden of the East or whoever it was? That... I've never heard the song. Um, it probably is, because manga artists do nothing all day but listen to music and cut their wrists constantly. And play which were a different master. job. <laughs> yeah, play out. <Idol. laughs> but I, I can't see how it wouldn't be. unless I mean, I assume that that song has been out for a couple of years. Yeah, I think it was like early 2000s. On this show, when it comes to music, we all, Daryl and I, both have to lean on Clarissa for knowing everything ever about all music ever done. <laughs> so, Daryl and I, we do not, we're not music people. The most music I listen to is Initial D soundtracks, and... That's it, it's just Initial D soundtracks. Soundtracks to 80s movies, so... I lost you there, did you get oh. cut off? I'm here, are you? I, I think... No, it's just... I think we lost you for Urban Gerald, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, Oh. because we just heard you saying, like... Music I do is initially soundtracks, silence, audio cuts. <laughs> yeah. oh. Like you suddenly started thinking like initial D soundtrack, and then you were remembering the show right. and like just just like you were into suddenly silence struck by the emptiness of your life and had to go fling right. yourself <laughs> off of a building. Like the, the coffee mug falls from your hand as you look in the like the, the board behind you to realize that Kaiser Soze was in front of you telling a story. That is Knights of Sidonia. Read the manga. That guy's artwork is just, every panel of that is just gorgeous to look at. The anime, I think it misses the mark. And apparently I, think, I need uh, to read Biomega for bears yes. with sniper rifles. I remember that fucking bear high-fiving the guy on the motorcycle. I mean, the bear on the motorcycle <laughs> high-fiving the guy. That, that, that is burned into my brain. It's how you convince people to read a manga in one single right. image. It's just kind of like the way that you on the internet like you recommend a manga there's so much stuff mm -hmm. out there you're like hey read this and you post like one picture and it's like all right we're reading yeah. this is that how you you tried to get people to watch uh, that one fist of the north star series on uh, rao by just posting the picture of him in the catapult yeah like <laughs> stuff like that it was just him standing in a catapult <laughs> being ready to be launched at the enemy which is exactly what happens. And he wasn't like and laying it in it or anything. He was standing, standing upright, upright in this in the catapult. catapult. This isn't some Uva Bowl in the name of the king. Wasn't and there like a tail. whole group of people in the original Fist of the North Star that like got shot out of cannons holding swords? That was the Filler best episode. episode of the Fist. Their, their entire episode by Toyo Shida. <laughs> entire technique was getting shot out of cannons so while holding swords. So they just brought it swords. back with a catapult instead for Rao? Well, Rao doesn't it's, have it's a sword. The, the Adeptus Astartes deep strike, only this time you don't have like a, you know, drop ship. So you got to make, you got to do with what you got. Right. <laughs> uh, well, my question was, so anyway, was he on the horse in the catapult? Like, did the catapult? He didn't yet have the horse at oh, that okay. point in the story. I, I he, had to, 
have a heart-to-heart meeting with the horse in dialogue uh, by <laughs> punching another horse to death uh, so he doesn't have to have any attachments to the wounded or dying horses and therefore can devote uh, to, to being the king. There are all horses. There are very few shows that you can sell someone in one image or one panel. Uh, Knights of Sidonia is not one of those shows. There's no, like, awesome moment in Knights of Sidonia like that. I think the, the hard breaking is the, sh- the, the clip that I would play from it, and I have played that clip in the yes. past. That, that's a clip. Uh, just to yeah. kind of sell people. That's, that's a money clip. That, that is, you know, a, that is like, a fantastic clip. make sure clip. we nail this. Yeah. I wish they had done more stuff like that, at least in the anime. Throughout the runtime in the anime. Because, yes. yeah, there's two seasons of the show, so 26 With episodes. Possibly a third. I guess people are talking about maybe there might be a third. I don't know. It seems like the show didn't leave anything open, necessarily, so it could, it could end. It uh, could just keep kind of ongoing, but who knows. But yeah, this is uh, Netflix's first, uh, first attempt at uh, licensing their own work. This might be one of the, I don't know, Netflix is one of those companies that is sitting on some of the most valuable data in the world and won't let anybody see it, only lets bits and pieces of it slip out. And so, you know, this might be one of the most popular anime in the world. Because uh, this thing was dubbed into like seven languages right away and subtitled in all over right away and is, you know, immediately in front of millions and millions and millions of people's eyes instantly. Right. So I'm very curious. It's like I really like, want to many... know what the numbers are for Glitter Force. Like how many people I are watching? I think Saban is clean enough. Yeah. I, I think Glitter Force like is is raking it in, Good. Uh, and Heinz Bond is being validated. But a lot of the like longtime Pretty Cure people, obviously, you know, there's the '90s whitewashing Heinz Sabanisms of like the '80s and '90s going on oh, there. Oh, really? But they're wondering like, oh, absolutely. I haven't like, watched you know, it yet. Between the, admit, yeah. well, you know, it's exactly what you'd expect from like a you know, vintage '80s '90s Heinz mm-hmm. Bond dub. Yeah, it's a very throwback sort of dub. Pretty Cure, yeah. And the thing is that people were saying, like, I wonder how much that you could even do to subsequent Pretty Cure shows. Because you did have to go and select this one. Right. Just like how with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like, you know, he originally wanted Jetman, couldn't get it. So he used Zoo Ranger instead. And to this day, they're still kind of making Power Rangers to reasonable success. Yeah, uh, I always so forget for that Pretty they're Cure, still doing Power Rangers. And then... It's, yeah, it's, well, it's, and it's been, it's been passed like, around a lot. So, and it's on a Disney lot of different. Disney had it, and then he bought it back. Mm. And then now it's on like Disney XD. So, if you don't have like deep cable, uh, then uh, then you don't really get to that see. That was it. when Disney owned it. When Saban bought it back, it's still on Disney XD. Like I thought, I think like, it is. Was a I think it's brands. It's uh, it's deal. one of those. Yeah, like when uh, Netflix just put up all of uh, Power Rangers. I was like, holy crap! Like it's been done every single year, like since it came out. So there's like right, twenty cause, years. Cause Saban bought it back, and so as part of getting Glitter Force on there, it's like, well, they already had the in with him. He's like, and put up, you know, the Power Rangers also because I own this. Again. Right. That may be how that came to play. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like Glitter Force and Sidonian stuff are the biggest things. I always thought that Netflix was like whatever was showing up in people's anime recommendations for Netflix would determine what people's perceptions of anime were overall. And so for a long time, it was a bunch of just titty anime <laughs> yeah. was on there. And then eventually they, it's like, okay, now Attack on Titan, Kill a Kill and stuff are on Netflix uh, as well. And so I think that really helped uh, in a lot of ways. I think the biggest thing that helped, and we mentioned this like an episode or two ago, is that they now put anime stuff in the other genres like action adventure yes. right. and like co- it's comedy not segregated and stuff out. like that. Yeah. It's and not as segregated as like if you're in the anime 
category anymore and you're only going to anime. No, it's like if you want an action movie or things because you like the action stuff, the anime stuff will show up in those recommendations. And the importance of that cannot be understated. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very telling that they were licensing and streaming anime for a couple of years and now it did well enough for them that they're licensing their own stuff and even making their own stuff. So this is why Knights of Sidonia is kind of a big deal at, at that level. Yeah. Right. So, and, yeah. and when Ajin Dami Human, like, Yeah, I mean, there, it'll be really just... interesting to see if this with Netflix results in, uh, you know, an upswing again in co-productions and, you know, U.S. funding for... I mean, Netflix has now moved into Japan, mm-hmm. and they I, they made like some anime commercials in Japan, and so they want their own content, and so they are now looking at that as well. Right. And so I'm very curious, like how Seven Deadly Sins did, because that's a much more traditional sort of show. It's 2D animated. It's you know a bit fan servicey and things like that. Right. Um, this uh, Knights of Sidonia is you know CG, and most anime is not CG even today still. And it, sci-fi, hard sci-fi, things like that. Again, not something you see a lot in anime now. So I'm curious because it's the biggest venue in the world is Netflix. There's right. no, there's like no bigger. Now it used to be like, you know, years ago you were talking about the beginning of the show, like, oh, anime ski is no longer like, you know, a viable site. You know, anime torrents are way down compared to what they used to be. I mean, they're still a thing, but not nearly no. to the extent that they were. Netflix is now a significant percentage of all internet traffic. Yes, it is, is Netflix. Some people, some estimates are like 30% of Netflix, of yeah. all internet traffic is Netflix. That's, and it used to be 30% of all internet traffic was BitTorrent. Yeah. Right. And so that's why there's all these arguments between Netflix and the, uh, the ISPs. because right, they <laughs> throttle Netflix specifically, yeah. and they are allowed to do yeah. that because, you know, our politicians aren't looking out for us. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, when I look at what's on Netflix, it's fascinating. Like, if you want to watch Full Metal Alchemist, you've got to look on Netflix, and I think it's about to go off of Netflix. It like, might I be already say, off. Oh, crap, because I, know I wanted was... to watch through Brotherhood. Yeah, you have to wonder, like, uh, how how are those other Netflix shows, like they did a Pee Wee Herman, like, original movie for Netflix? How did did more people go see that than would go see, like, a movie that is released in theaters? I'm curious. Right. And only they know this data. Right. Only they know who's actually tuning in for the new Adam Sandler Netflix original versus, you know, film-wise. But we can only guess. Right. The little things they have released have been fascinating. They talked about how... Um, for the series they did called Fuller House, which is, a, I guess, a sequel to Full House from the 90s or 80s, they did different covers for it based on area, and they found that, oh, this one particular cover caused 5%... Yeah, more people to click on for, it. More people to click on it. Like, only they know this stuff. Uh. And so only they know what percentage of, you know, the internet people are watching this anime. And they have continued to support anime in a big way. And so, right, so they don't actually put the numbers out, but we just know that they have not been dropping anime like a stone no. recently. Right. They seem to be continually getting stuff. That's a good sign, I think. They need to start doing like OKCupid, okay start making blog posts of their crazy data. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think OKCupid okay yeah. blog posts of crazy data have fallen aside in favor of Pornhub blog posts <laughs> of their crazy data. Their data is the most fascinating data out there. Right. It is and it is you can pour over it and it's great and so yeah I'm, I'm hoping that Netflix will release some more data based upon their anime. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I guess that, that was a bit of a tangent there, but you know still related. Tangent on this podcast? Never. 
Yeah, um, I guess to summarize it again, I would say if you're going to check out Knights of Sidonia, I would recommend the manga over the anime. What I read of the manga seemed seemed like it could convey the strengths of that author and the work better than what the anime could. Now, I will say that the, the manga is certainly uh, longer. Is it still ongoing or uh, is it finished? It's finished. Um, I believe it did complete. Mm. Finished last year. Uh, yeah, okay. like I think... Maybe like the last volume was like volume 15 or something like that. I, I got like volume 12 right in front of me. And it's definitely not the last one. Yeah, it finished in September um, of last year, 15 volumes. Okay. The, the anime is being physically released by Sentai. Right. And I mean, the anime is completed up to now unless they do a season three. I'm just saying like uh, it looks like the English release date for the final volume of Sidonia by Vertical is the end of this month, April 26th. So, yeah, you're talking about 15 volumes of manga, which, you know, there's a money expenditure involved in that versus, you know, a free show. And so that's another thing people often consider. Right. This is true. Yes. So anyway, I guess the uh, next episode, originally this was going to be the episode we recorded in March. So that's that, like I said last time, I said come April, I'll be doing a review of uh, Food Wars Shokugeki no Soma because it has finally, as of this week, all come out to date. Like all the manga that exists is now available in English to be read such that the simulpub, you know, we're getting at the same time and there's no more gaps. So I can confidently review that in a way that people can actually go and and read this thing in some form or fashion it may be a little tricky to get past first 11 volumes if you haven't been subscribing to shonen jump or are willing to get back issues of it but it is at least possible to to read it all so uh look forward to that is also on crunchyroll though right yes the anime covers uh the first season is up second season is starting later this year Mm. uh so people will be able to look forward to that uh, so I've, I've watched both. I've, I've read the anime and I've read the manga. I watched the anime. So uh, we'll be talking about that. Cool. Uh, so unless there's anything else, I think I'm going to shut this one down. I think we I think this one's in the can. Yep. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I guess check us out. Uh, hopefully, hopefully not too long from now. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and get it out before the conventions start hitting. We have to because uh, once those conventions start, I don't have anything else I'm doing except panel work. <laughs>